CheyenneMotorsports.com or see the CF Moto lineup at Cheyenne Motorsports, 2000 Westland Road, delivering fun since 1967. Social Security is with you through life's journey from birth to retirement. As your life changes year to year, so do your needs. For over 80 years, Social Security has helped to meet your needs and is committed to improving access to the services that make a difference in your life. Today, you can verify your earnings, estimate your future benefits, apply for retirement, manage your benefits, and even change your address, all from the comfort of your home. Social Security's online services help put you in control with secure access to your information anytime, anywhere, allowing you to spend more time with family, friends, or simply just enjoying the day. Social Security, securing today and tomorrow. See what you can do online at socialsecurity.gov. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. I'm probably okay to have one more drink before I drive home. I'm probably okay. I open the window to stay alert. Probably okay. I just pop some gum in my mouth. Step out of the car, please. I probably made a mistake. Probably okay isn't okay when it comes to drinking and driving. If you see a warning sign, stop and call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzzed driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Nick the Motor Guy back here on CarGab AM650 KGAB. If you'd like to join Jeremy and I for the last few minutes of the show, 632-6500-632-3323 or one 503 Do you want to jump back to the cars and cigars uh, and guitars under the stars? At the Greek Ponderosa. At the Greek Ponderosa. Um, car show, charity car show happening September the 11th. Um, go to the website Cars Cigars and uh, Cars Cigars Guitars dot com, com, and that will get you to the front page. If you then go about halfway down, if you'd like to enter a car, hit the enter your car button and you can fill out all the information there. Um, enter your car, and that gets you. Um, an entry to the to the show, uh, the food, the drinks, the, the bands, everything right. else. Um, and if you'd like to bring somebody with you, then it's an additional cost for that person. Remembering this is a charity fundraiser. This is to raise lots and lots of money for some great charities. One included in that is Skills USA. Um, which I'm just, I'm really excited about to have Skills USA involved in this. They are 
an organization, if you're not familiar with it, that helps youngsters and people looking to retrain into various skills, uh, mechanical being one of the major yeah. ones. Um, and Skills USA is using any money they get from this to uh, basically give scholarships to be yeah. able to get people through Excellent. those programs. So that that's one of the charities. Um, the Unaccompanied Students Initiative, which you've heard me talk about many times on the show, um, that is another of the charities that is involved this year, and we do have three others as well. Uh, but some great organizations. And again, we're very careful. The IHEPA guys, when they look at who we're giving the money to, they want to make sure that the money is staying in Laramie County. Yeah. Um, all of these organizations that we are raising money for every penny stays here in laramie county and that um is is huge for me yeah that'll be a big um, deal so anyway we're gonna try and fit one last break in yes i know we fit them all in at the end but we will do that <laughs> and then we'll come back and finish up the show here on am 650 kgab who do i perform for i perform for all the awesome composers whose music deserves to be heard I perform for all the stagehands who make sure I never miss a cue. I perform for our high school choir director who taught me to breathe from the diaphragm and sing from the heart. Speech, debate, theater, music. The performing arts teach valuable life lessons that typically aren't taught in the classroom. They help high school students learn leadership skills that prepare them to enjoy more satisfying, productive lives. I perform for Mrs. Evans, my high school debate coach, who has helped me become more confident than I ever dreamed possible. This message presented by the Wyoming High School Activities Association and the high school in your community. Hey, I've got a question for you. Who will you perform for? Dear Vet Ticks, it was nice to spend the night with my daughter and other veterans. It's so humbling to attend an event when you feel appreciated. I had a wonderful time with my family. Thank you for the memories, Vetix. Dear Vetix, thank you for a great experience and for your support of the military and veterans. Thank you so much, Vetix. Our family has gone through a lot the last few years, and this gave us a nice break. Every empty seat at a concert, game, or special event is a missed opportunity to say thank you to a veteran or a service member. By giving your extra tickets to VetTix, you'll help America's heroes reduce stress, strengthen family bonds, and create a truly happy memory that will last a lifetime. So when you really want to say thank you for your service, give the experience, give the memory. VetTix, give something to those who gave. For more information on how you can make a difference, go to VetTix.org.
Nick the Motor Guy back here on Car Guy AM 650 KGAB. We have two minutes, actually about a minute and 40 seconds left of this wonderful show today with Jeremy Royer. So I'm going to hand it over to Jeremy to impart some great words of wisdom to leave us with today. Well, it takes a big dog to... No, no, we shouldn't do that <laughs> No, no, not, not no, one. not that no. one. You know, there's no wisdom here. I mean, you know, just everybody uh, take your vitamin D and, and, and uh, get some sunshine. And, yeah, get and, some and sunshine. Enjoy, enjoy the last little bit of, of summer. Fall doesn't start until September 22nd, so all you pumpkin spice people need to sit your butts down. <laughs> We're still in margarita world here for a little while, so just... Uh, that'll be okay. <laughs> Pumpkin spice has got to be one of the nastiest things. Oh, I don't even understand. It's awful. Awful. No no car interior, not even a Prius's interior, should be subject to the smell of pumpkin spice. Yes. In my opinion. Although maybe a Prius. Uh Well, yes. Well, okay. those will be scrapped somewhere. We'll see you rocking down at the plaza next yes, Friday. Yes, next Friday, Mr. Bone and the Perfect Strangers opening at 5.30. Come down and listen to them. Get your entries into Cars, Cigars, and Guitars under the stars on September the 11th. You can get all your tickets now. Um, let's uh, raise tons of money for charity. And, of course, Cruise Nights tonight supporting Zonto. We'll see you there tonight. Have fun, and we'll speak to you next week on Cargo. If you think my eyes are bloodshot, you should see him from my side. Goodbye. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. a phone call from the president. I'm Pam Huso, Fox News. The White House says two school superintendents in Broward County, Florida, were commended by President Biden for their commitment to getting all students back to safe, full-time, in-person learning. They've received pushback from Florida's governor for imposing mask mandates. Republican Ron DeSantis has even threatened to withhold the salary of any official that violates his ban on mask mandates. A parents group is suing Governor Ron DeSantis in a state court in Tallahassee over his stopping school districts from implementing mask orders. Tallahassee's area schools did announce a mask requirement, but have since changed it to say a doctor's note would exempt a child from having to wear one. Similar mandates are being attempted in places like Jacksonville, Orlando, Tampa and Gainesville. Fox's Eben Brown in Broward County, three teachers and a teacher's aide died this week from COVID-19. In a handful of U.S. cities, proof of vaccination will soon be required if you want to eat inside a restaurant, go to a concert, or watch a movie. New rules take effect in New York, New Orleans, and San Francisco next week. New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio says the mandate has acted as an incentive. The numbers showed when the mandate was announced, people who first hesitated to get the vaccine got the shot. Fox's Jackie Heinrich. There's no telling when the Taliban might make it to Kabul. Some say it may be a matter of days. That's why thousands of U.S. forces have been sent to the Afghan capital to evacuate the U.S. embassy. Afghan President Ashraf Ghani vowed not to give up on what he called the major achievements over the past 20 years. But the Taliban have now seized over half of Afghanistan's provincial capitals in recent days. Fox's Lucas Tomlinson, Germany is also evacuating its embassy. America's listening to Fox News. Hey, it's Brett Lawrence.
Larson, inviting you to download and listen to the new daily Fox on Tech podcast. There's part of a colorful late 90s iMac on Mars. It's an idea that seems a lot like Kickstarter called Build It. This isn't the first time we've heard about North Korea hackers trying to get a leg up on COVID-19, a range that was used for satellite TV service in the 70s. Get the latest trends in technology, cybersecurity alerts, and gadget news daily. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Connect to Fox News Audio on the Fox News app. Listen to hear your favorite hosts like Brian Kilmeade, Jimmy Fallon, and Guy Benson standing up for what's right live and via podcast. Just click listen, then swipe right and hear the latest news updates on your time. And scroll down to hear the latest podcasts from Fox News. And it's even easier to listen in the car with Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. Get programming alerts and notifications. Fox News Audio is on the Fox News app. The Voices America Trusts. Downloaded now. Whether it's a trip to the grocery store or the gas station, prices are up and Americans are feeling the pinch. The Bureau of Labor Statistics says that there are a number of things at play here in terms of driving prices up. Experts point to a more active economy following more than a year of lockdowns. The business disruptions caused by the COVID Delta variant, increased labor costs passed down to the consumer and hefty government payouts during the pandemic. Whatever the case, it's got people on both sides of the aisle worried. According to a Fox News poll, both Democrats and Republicans are concerned about inflation by a high market. Margin, 78% among Democrats and 94% among Republicans. Fox's Charles Watson. It's been a scorcher across Spain, the hottest day of the year, according to officials who say the temperature in at least one city climbed to 115 degrees. One scientist says hot air from the Sahara Desert is to blame for days of extreme heat across the Mediterranean. Don't believe the hype. That's what the governor of Tennessee is saying in so many words as rumors about the coronavirus run rampant. In Tennessee, the governor's office is refuting claims that says cows are being vaccinated in order to inoculate unwitting meat eaters. Misinformation is especially rampant among those who refuse to be vaccinated against the coronavirus. For example, the governor issued an executive order creating quarantine camps that National Guard troops round up the unvaccinated and take them to said camps or that they forcibly vaccinate folks in their own homes. Again, all not true. What is his effect is that hospitals of all sizes are running out of beds and that more than 90% of those hospitalized in the state with COVID have not been inoculated. Fox's Karen So, and this is Fox News. This weather update is brought to you by Four Corner Siding. No matter the weather, Four Corner Siding can help protect your home. Looking at a gorgeous sunny Saturday for southeastern Wyoming. Expect highs right around the middle and upper 80s. Lows tonight, middle and upper 50s. Keeping it clear. Sunday morning sunshine. Couple storms will be possible in the afternoon and evening. Highs again, upper 80s with lows mid 50s. Upper 80s, low 90s Monday and Tuesday. Thunderstorms and higher elevations spreading more onto the plains starting Wednesday with cooler temperatures. Today, Today we, we decided decide to, to walk, walk to school. The light counted. 15, 14, 31, I mean 13. We, we took, took a left, left on Carroll Street. Street. Danny's smart, but he gets distracted. Okay. I realized he forgot his homework. I hope, I hope he doesn't I have another bad day at school. When you can see learning and attention issues from their side, you can be on their side. That's why there's understood.org, a free resource for the parents of the one in five kids with learning and attention issues. Go from misunderstanding to understood.org. Brought to you by Understood and the Ad Council. 
650 KGAB, Cheyenne's number one news talk radio station. You're in tune with the Weekend in Wyoming program. We have a great show for you today. Starting out, we have Janine West with Laramie County Emergency Management. Janine, I appreciate you calling in this morning. No problem. Thanks for having me. Now, first of all, for those who don't know, and I think most people have heard of it, but they may not be real familiar with it, what is Laramie County Emergency Management? What do you do? So, um, we're actually Cheyenne Laramie County Emergency Management. We're city county. So, uh, we coordinate uh, government response for large emergencies, disasters, uh, large events. We help coordinate as well when it comes to the event uh, personnel or agency versus how do we get public safety involved. So, we help bring all those pieces together. Um, every bit of emergency planning, uh, when it comes to the government level, is done through our agency in coordination with like our PD and our SO and our first responding agencies, our fire, um, and then our supporting agencies, our utilities. Um, so we take care of emergency response planning, mitigation planning, um, some of the community wildfire protection planning uh, we help with. Uh, we'll help uh, individual businesses or agencies within the government with their continuity planning, so shutdowns, stuff like that. So it's quite a bit that we do, and um, but that's primarily what we do. Is a, the response level is um, we have to be prepared for that at any time if there's a disaster. So if there's a tornado that hits. Now when the cops and the police and fire and EMS are done, who comes in to help after that? And that's where we step in and and help those residents uh, get assistance if they need it or help clean up and move forward and recover. Now you mentioned tornadoes. You people are in charge of the tornado sirens, is that correct? That is correct. We have about 64 tornado sirens within Laramie County. How do you decide, I'm sorry, go ahead, go ahead. No, go ahead, go ahead. How, How do you decide when to activate the siren to let people know there's a tornado? How does that process work? So we actually have a new process in place. Uh, About a year or two ago, we added in an automatic system. So um, if anybody's familiar with the weather radar system that National Weather Service used, um, they put up those red polygons on the the radar that shows where the tornado warning area is. And our system automatically will set off any siren within that area. And then we're slowly building buffer areas onto that but it'll automatically set them off and then ultimately they're just not for tornadoes is that anytime there is something going on outside that is a threat to the community and we need people to go inside to shelter and turn on your local news and radio to hear what's going on and what next steps are needed to be taken that's what sirens are for as well so don't automatically assume it's a tornado because that's not always the case Well, 99% Most of the time here it is, yes. Most of the time here it is the case. But we have other systems in place like the Code Red, uh, which is like a reverse 911 system that we can notify residents if there's uh, something going on in the area too. Uh, Like when there's a lost child or a senior that may walk away from a center, we could do like a one-mile radius from that location where they were last at and let residents know through that system as well. So if it was something outside of a tornado, we'd probably use that too. 
Now, were you involved at all in dealing with the uh, massive snowstorm we got in March? Very much so. Very much so, yes, sir. Walk, walk us through that process. How did you deal with that? So with any of the snowstorms, and this one in particular, we started it just the same. We uh, National Weather Service uh, did a really good job this year, and they do it every year, of notifying us, hey, it's coming. We're going to get a really bad snowstorm, or we could have a blizzard. And so we were in contact with them more than a week out from that storm and started pushing notifications to residents. We also have a a snow planning team, and this team consists of decision makers within the city, the county, and the state, because Laramie County is unique. We have all levels of government here. Um, So we have representatives from YDOT, both our city and county public works, our mayor, commissioners, our state officials, uh, even representatives from the governor's office and Homeland Security, um, and the school district, there's a whole list, F.E. Warren. So everybody gets on these conference calls and they help uh, determine, these are the people that on a regular basis help determine uh, what is it looking at like out there um, do we need to do a two-hour delay? Do we need to do a shutdown? So with this huge snowstorm we had earlier this year, we were in communication with them in advance, letting them know, hey, this is coming. And then when it delayed, hey, this is delayed, but it's still coming. And then it's just consistently talking to that group. We did it via conference call. We always have. Um, and it doesn't really matter what time of day. We're still trying to talk to them and let them know, hey, this is what's going on. This is what the needs are. Um, that storm was very unique. We hadn't seen a storm like that since 1979. And um, it was very, very difficult for first responders to keep up with all the calls that were coming in. Our utility companies had issues. Um, there were, we had an issue with getting dialysis patients. Um, but that we worked together and got them taken care of. Uh, snow removal was just the most difficult. Of course, school was shut down for a week. So it's really just uh, pulling in all of our resources to help every entity that needed assistance. Um, we got the snowmobilers, our local snowmobilers, to come in and, and help out. And I wish I could meet every single one of them that helped. Um, they did a magnificent job helping for as long as they could uh, to get our 911 operators switched out on staff, our police, our fire, um, hospital staff, VA staff. Um, there was a, it was a very complex storm, and I hope it doesn't happen again. <laughs> but there's a lot. Now, I, I, th- I think I recall Mayor Collins saying that even sn- some of our snow plows got stuck in the storm. Is that true? That is true. Snow plows were helping snow plows. Um, we had city and county first responders helping each other out. Uh, fire trucks were getting stuck. Um, our, everybody was getting stuck. We had a plow that would go help a plow get unstuck and that plow would get up, get stuck. So, um, yeah, it was, that was something else. It was. I was like, I don't even know what to say because it was so bad. <laughs> and so we think about that after the, in the aftermath of everything. It's, okay, what could we do better? And what what resources do we need? And it's really, the city of Cheyenne 
and Laramie County Public Works Department um, always do such a great job and they try to get through the streets as much as they can and and um, do whatever they can as fast as they can and they have routes that they take and then they have extra stuff that they do and and ultimately that was just a really bad storm and uh, we all just work together now you said that after the event you always sit down and you ask what could we have done differently was there anything we could have done differently or was that just a storm that's just beyond the pale and we did the best we could and probably not a lot of room for changes I think individual agencies are going to find themselves, I think, uh, finding that they'll have internal changes that needed to take place when it comes to like continuity of operations with businesses or um, getting staff switched out. Um, I really hope that uh, maybe there weren't some, but I know that there were some businesses and there are some entities I'm not going to call anybody out that maybe didn't heed to the warnings of the storm um, that maybe next time we'll prepare a little bit more. And I think all of us could have prepared a little bit more for the storm, um, but ultimately it was just really bad. Uh, I think with the first responders that were out there um, and our utilities that were out there doing everything that they could, our, our, uh, our power and our water, everybody was really working hard um it was just bad i mean there's i don't know what we could have done too much different communications can always be better in anything that we're doing um yeah and then right uh, now we're just weeding. we did do a disaster declaration so we're just weeding still on um fema to see if they could provide the city and the and the county and some of those entities with um cost reimbursement how much how much cost reimbursement are we looking at and when might that happen if we know it cost the with the entire county um it was about 1.5 million dollars that it cost there this is laramie county and all its jurisdictions with it uh-huh. cheyenne pine bluffs albin burns um there's a lot of entities that were able to submit for these types of reimbursements but it was about 1.5 million and I couldn't tell you how long it would take to get, uh, we're still in that process. And it's a lot of hurry up and wait. Uh, it could be six months, well, we're about six months. It could be another six months before we, if we do. I don't even know if we're gonna get any official approval. One of the challenges, go, go ahead, I'm sorry. I said, I was just saying we tried. One of the challenges with a storm like that from where I sit, from someone who works in the media, is getting people to take it seriously. Um, I saw a lot of comments on Facebook, well, we get these kind of warnings all the time, you know, and that kind of thing. I'm not sure the public as a whole really understood how serious that was. And we we tried to make that clear. I'm not sure everybody grasped that. Would you agree? I would agree, and it, it's like that with even our summer severe weather, the storms mm-hmm. that are rolling in, and, uh, you know, weather service puts out as many alerts as they can, and we try to, and, um, yeah, it, it's, I, I think we did everything that we could to get notification out there and prepare people. It didn't help that this started out like some storms where, you know, hey, we're going to get a lot of snow, and then nothing. it didn't come at first, so right. people were like, whatever. You know, but it's 
then it just came and it dumped. And unfortunately, we did have some people that went out in the weather when they shouldn't have gone out in the weather. And um, and it and it wasn't all people that were just trying to get to work either. Somebody that needed to go to the gas station, or it's like, wait, maybe you should have stayed home. But yeah, it's hard to get across the message though when in a place where we get a lot of winter storms, and we do. Uh, that this just isn't another winter storm. This was this was a snow apocalypse. It was something exceptional, and and the weather service was basically saying that. And I know I know you folks were saying that too. But a lot of times people kind of blow it off, like, "Well, we hear that all the time." And I, I don't really know what the answer is. It's just an observation on my part. Well, I mean, on some level, I, I absolutely agree with you. We there's always going to be uh, those notifications put out there, and there's always going to be somebody that may not listen or it could be a visitor to our area that didn't uh, check the weather before they came into the area mm-hmm. um, so we just work to get through that one person at a time to help them there are snowstorms and there are snowstorms that was a snowstorm that well, was a snowstorm and I hope uh, that doesn't ever happen again don't we all? Well, maybe after I retire and move to Florida, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay, I'm speaking with uh, Janine West with Cheyenne Laramie County Emergency Management. Actually, uh, the reason I initially contacted you, I was told about your community emergency uh, response team, uh, also known as CERT. What is that? So it's a group of volunteers. There's about 50 people that are uh, trained to respond. Um, they help out in basic areas of uh, preparedness and fire safety, search and rescue, some basic medical care, um, and they help us with organization. So if a disaster happens and we need additional support, the EMA staff is, there's only t- technically two and a half. The fire warden is the other, he's uh, half and half EMA and fire warden. So there's only three of us in the office. And when we need additional assistance, uh, or when we have organizations like the Red Cross that may come in to help put up a shelter, they may need additional people. Um, or these people are also trained with search and rescue. So if search and rescue team needs additional assistance searching for somebody, this team can be called upon to come in and help with that. They've already been trained. They've already been vetted. Um, and they're a great group of individuals. They're highly motivated, and they do a great job. They just come in and, and back up. You know, we've got our fire and our law enforcement and our EMS folks that are really, really busy uh, doing their great work. And, and these guys can come in if there's a, say there's a mass casualty, they can help AMR or our fire guys with the triage area. And they understand how to put somebody, which triage area they need to be in or know how to do some basic care before uh, those EMTs and paramedics can do those transports. They can help with that. So there's a lot that they can do, kind of filling in those blanks with us. Uh, they, they've helped out quite a bit uh, with community events. So great job. Are they volunteers? Are they paid employees? How does that work? They are strictly volunteers. They are just volunteers. Now, you mentioned, uh, the, provide- you, you, you mentioned the people in the snowstorm that went out on snowmobiles. Were those CERT team members? No, they were not. Those were um, uh, just members of the public. I, I had spoken to Danny Glick early, early that morning and or the evening before, and he says, what do you think about putting a message out 
on Facebook and getting some snowmobilers or somebody would track vehicles to help out. And I thought, oh, well, I'm not sure what this response is going to look like. And um, I put out a message on Facebook and and it it blew up. We got a ton of people helping and it was wonderful. It was, it was stressful to coordinate, but it was wonderful. But no, they, those were just uh, random members of the public wanting to help out and uh, they're not a 13 member. So. Well, now, I may be a little biased being a longtime Wyoming resident, but I happen to think that that, that people from Wyoming uh, tend to be that way. We pitch in when help is needed. We help each other out. Uh, whether we have an official title or an organizational structure, or we just spring into action. I think the state is great that way. Oh, they're wonderful that way. We've had other incidents. Um, there was one time several years ago we had to open a shelter because uh, of a snowstorm and hotels were full and we had just we called them just in time volunteers we had um i I remember there was a lady with her older children that showed up and said we want to help and so we just do some just in time training and here you go and um yeah our community has been really really good with that as i've been in emergency management for almost 15 years here in laramie county and they've always been great Back to the CERT team, if there's somebody who would like to become a member, first of all, do you need new members? Secondly, how would they go about it? We could always use new members. Um, so, yes, we're, we're always looking for new members. Um, and it's there's no um, real big qualifications on it. We have people of all uh, abilities. Um, we even have some that have some disabilities. So there's a place for everybody. Um, if they want to do that, uh, our executive assistant at emergency management, Beth Harris, is uh, she's a, she oversees and does the coordination of the team, helps with coordination along with Bob Sherrard. Um, but they can just contact the emergency management office and ask for Beth, and she can talk to them about the program and how to get trained. And uh, we've got a great tool out of Utah that we use for online training and then we do the actual like physical training um, on weekends so it's outside of regular business hours so they learn how to use fire extinguishers and we have um, our we have some fire people that come in and help with the medical piece and the fire pieces and uh, we even have a retired doctor that's on our team so he helps with that as well by the way, I should have asked this earlier, and I neglected to do so. Is the 911 call center, is that under your organization, or is that a separate entity? That is a separate entity. A long time ago, it used to be under emergency management, many, many years ago. Um, but uh, the Laramie County Combined Communication Center, or the 911, is a separate agency. And we work very closely, though, with them. Um, like, their backup is... Uh, at our facility so we we work with them often i'd like to have them on at some point as well i got stuck in an elevator here at work a year ago and let me tell you the lady at the 911 call center was really helpful so that's just a side story but i'd like to have them on at some point 
Okay, I'm speaking with uh, Janine West, Cheyenne Laramie County Emergency Management Agency. Now, we also wanted to chat about the amateur radio, let me put my reading glasses on here, amateur radio emergency services, radio amateur civil emergency service, also known, I think, as airs and races. Uh, Now, those are two separate teams, but they sort of work together. Is that right? Yeah, in some areas in the country, there's um, we have we have somebody that does the Aries, Aries and we have somebody that does races, and um, we have this wonderful team leader Brian McNutt who oversees the Aries Races team. It's it's together here. Some places it is separate, um, and they help with communications before disasters and on the Aries side, and then the racy side they help. Uh, when there are civil emergencies and there are disasters. Um, but these guys, they're active all the time. Um, they help out with, like, the the Lions Club just did the Ride for Sight. So these guys help out with events like that, uh, going like along the route. They'll communicate back to what we call it command post, um, to the start of the race where the organizers are, and communicate back any issues that there may be out on the walk or run or whatever it may be and um, help if, you know, does an ambulance need to come or do they need to call 911 or um, they just, they help out with all of that. Uh, These guys help the state of Wyoming out at the Wyoming Office of Homeland Security when there's disasters around the state. These guys will help talk to other communities in the state about equipment or like logisticals, logistic stuff, um, whatever that they may need between the state and that community. Um, these guys help relay that information. So it doesn't tie up our 911 system. Um, so they're a great group. These guys can talk all over the world if needed. And Ham Radio has been around for over 100 years now. And so these guys are really the backup to the backup to the backup. If our systems go down, these guys are going to jump into action and help us out. So I pray that never happens, but um, these guys work work really hard throughout the year, and they are also just volunteers. So I'll ask the same question here. Do you need people for this? And if so, how can they become part of it? Uh, well, they have to be a licensed amateur radio operator. Um, and they're, they could always use extra people to work events and be part of various races. Um, there's several there's several amateur radio clubs or ham radio clubs uh, around the state and around the country. And so if there are any local ham radio operators out there that want to be a part of the group or an organization that aren't part of one, they can call our office as well. We can get them um, in contact with uh, team leaders on that. Janine, I guess one thing I get out of this interview that I wasn't really aware of is how many people behind the scenes working as volunteers and and kind of kind of informally, but they're there if they're if they're needed are part of your your emergency response system. Is that right? That is right. We have a lot of volunteers. Um, we have a lot of our CERT team members are also amateur radio operators, so um, they intermingle as well. And um, yeah, there's. Uh, a lot of response within the state is volunteer, where, like fire response and and this kind of stuff. It's it's all volunteer, and for us at emergency management, we we do a lot of volunteer work on the site as well when it comes to to these teams. So it's great. 
volunteers are amazing. Down to just a couple of minutes left, I did want to ask real quickly, do you ever coordinate with emergency management in other Wyoming counties? Uh, we, uh, on a monthly basis, have coordination meetings with through Homeland Security and all the emergency managers uh, talk. I talk on a regular basis with our emergency managers in western Nebraska and northern Colorado, and uh, my partners that basically surround Laramie County, we all help each other out. Okay, Janine, is there anything else you'd like to tell our listeners about emergency management or any of the topics we've covered this morning? Um, no, if anybody has any questions about emergency planning that we have in the community, they're not public documents, but I'm happy to share some information or talk to them about it. Or um, There's some great resources if they need uh, emergency planning for their business or their home, and we're happy to help them find that. Okay. I'd like to thank my guest on this segment. I've been speaking with Janine West from the Cheyenne Laramie County Emergency Management Agency. Janine, we appreciate you taking time out of your weekend uh, to chat with us this morning. Well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it, and I hope everybody have a wonderful day. Yourself also. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks, sir. AM 650 KGAB, Cheyenne's number one news talk radio station. On the other side of the bottom of the hour break, we'll be speaking with Rebecca Reed, Laramie County Coroner, about a program uh, that they've launched to help families of suicide victims. That's coming up just ahead here on Cheyenne's number one news talk radio station, AM 650 KGAB. 1131, you're in tune with the Weekend in Wyoming program. Thank you for joining us. We'll be speaking with Becky Reed, just 650 KGAB, Cheyenne Orchard Valley. It's 1131. This weather update is brought to you by Four Corner Siding. No matter the weather, Four Corner Siding can help protect your home. Looking at a gorgeous sunny Saturday for southeastern Wyoming. Expect highs right around the middle and upper 80s. Lows tonight, middle and upper 50s. Keeping it clear. Sunday morning sunshine. A couple storms will be possible in the afternoon and evening. Highs again, upper 80s with lows mid 50s. Upper 80s, low 90s, Monday and Tuesday. Thunderstorms and higher elevations spreading more onto the plains starting Wednesday with cooler temperatures. I'm a firefighter. A teacher. I'm a farmer. I'm a barber. A waitress. A mom. We're all part of your community. Every day we move in and out of each other's busy lives. It's easy to take for granted all the little moments that make up our everyday. Some are good, others not so much. But that's life. It's when you experience a moment of uncertainty. Something or someone's behavior that doesn't seem quite right. These are the moments to take a pause. Because if something doesn't feel right, it's probably not. It's not about paranoia. Or being afraid. It's about standing up and protecting our communities. One detail at a time. Because a lot of little details can become a pattern. We. 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 We trust our instincts. Just like you should. Because only you know what's not supposed to be in your everyday. So protect your everyday. If you see something suspicious, say something to local authorities. Music is a bridge between the material and the spiritual. My name is Harvey Lauer, and I'm 82. As a blind person, you have to be aware that nobody can tell you what you can or can't do. You really have to try things. My folks got me a little radio in 1940, and that was the best Christmas present I ever got. When I was 11 years old is when I started to uh, play music, play the piano, and then the accordion, and then the cello. 
my wife, who was also blind, was a good cook. When she died, that's when I started Meals on Wheels. America, let's do lunch. One in six seniors faces the threat of hunger, and millions more live in isolation. Drop off a hot meal and say a quick hello. Volunteer for Meals on Wheels by donating your lunch break at americaletsdolunch.org. This message brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. AM 650 KGAB, Cheyenne's number one news talk radio station. On the phone, I have Becky Reed. Becky, thank you for calling in this morning. We do appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Now, you are you are Laramie County Coroner, correct? That is correct. First of all, before we, we jump into the uh, special program, just so people know, what exactly does the coroner do? I'm not sure people really know that. Yeah, so what the coroner does is we determine the cause and manner in deceased people um, with a parallel investigation through law enforcement. So we'll work with law enforcement and do a forensic autopsy to determine the cause and manner of death. Do you always do an autopsy on crime victims? Is that standard procedure, or is it only something you do in certain circumstances? So the state statute says that we do an autopsy on any homicide, children, um, any accidental death, whether it's a drug overdose or a um, car accident. We do suicides, um, autopsies. Anybody that does not have a physician stating the reason why they're deceased, 10 to 1, we're going to do an autopsy. By the way, and this is a little bit of a side road, but I'm just curious, are we seeing a lot of drug overdoses? We are, unfortunately. Now, anybody can check out the Laramie County Coroner's website, and you can see all of our stats quarterly. So now that our office is accredited through the International Associations of Coroners and Medical Examiners, you can see all of our stats and our cases that we work. And we are seeing an uptick in drug overdoses, sadly, it sounds like then. Yes, we are. Now, now, uh, Becky, the main reason I invited you on this morning is uh, one of our local officials tipped me off about a program you folks are doing for, uh, I guess it's families of suicide victims. Fill us in on what's going on here. Yeah, so probably about about four and a half, almost five years ago, um, the idea was brought up to me and say, hey, let's do a loss team. And I said, what is a loss team? They're like local outreach to suicide survivors. And I said, Oh, that sounds amazing. Yeah, let's do it. And I just kind of ran with it, along with Grace for Two Brothers. So we have a group of volunteers in the coroner's office that work with Grace for Two Brothers in my office. And when we have a suicide, we're able to get the families um, help within 24 hours of their loss. That way, they, they're not by themselves. They have, we can get them into counseling. We can do biohazard cleanup. Um, we can just sit there and talk with them and just be there for support to know that they're not alone during this time. I've never had the experience, but that's got to be an awful experience for family members going through a suicide. Am I right? Well, I won't ask if I'm right. Obviously it is. But I mean, how hard is it to, to comfort these people? It's a pretty grim situation. You know, it is. And I, ta- I think it takes a very special person to be able to do our job alone, along with what our volunteers are doing. Um, all of our volunteers, they're all volunteers. So they're also uh, trained in all kinds of uh, mental health um, professions. Um, we have some, some people that have some backgrounds in psychology and that sort of thing. So just sitting with the families and being able to help them through it, you know, it gives us an amazing feeling because we're able to tell them, hey, you're not alone. Most of our volunteers have experienced suicide very close to them, so they know kind of what to expect and how the grieving process is going to work. And having someone 
that close to you um, die by suicide, you're able to help so many people. I would imagine, and again, I haven't lived through this, so I'll I'll qualify my comments that way, but I would imagine the first step is just dealing with the shock. Am I right? That's correct, yeah. I can tell you personally, I've had some very close suicides in my my, uh, family and close friends, and it's just the shock of like, really, why? You know, the answer we get, the question we get a lot is why, why? And there's sometimes we won't be able to answer that. Um, so we have actually started here in Laramie County the Suicide Fatality Review Board team. So it's a group of professional people in, from the hospital, um, from the health units, um, peak wellness. We have the school board. We have our local law enforcement. Um, and we're all trying to come together to see if there's more education or training that needs to be done or is there a pattern in here in Laramie County that you know, a certain time of year or is there a certain place that people will die by suicide. And so we try to, um, we just started this group. We just did our first reviews. And I think it's going to be an amazing asset to Laramie County to be able to see, hey, here's some patterns. Maybe we should start doing more education at, let's say, at your animal shelters. Um, We started noticing that there was a big intake on people giving away their animals or getting their financial, you know, affairs in order. So just educating the public on what to look for and what, you know, where to seek help is, is a, is going to be a big thing for Laramie County. You mentioned identifying patterns. Are there any seasonal patterns or do we know that yet? We don't know that yet. Um, I think it's going to take us a good, probably year and a half, two years to be actually able to see the patterns. Um, We're, when we're doing these, these um, reviews, we're not, we're doing them all on what we call closed suicide cases that they're no longer open. So they're not being investigated by our office or law enforcement. Mm -hmm. And then we'll only do it if the family gives us permission. And, and I know from my years of covering law enforcement that when there's say a gunshot death, it's almost always initially investigated as a homicide, not because it necessarily is, but that's just the procedure, right? That is correct. So the old saying is we treat everything as a homicide until proven otherwise. Okay, I'm speaking with uh, Laramie County Coroner Rebecca Reed. We're talking about a suicide program uh, that uh, you folks have instituted, trying to learn more about some of the patterns around suicide and and certainly making services available to uh, suicide survivors. Becky, and, and again, this may not be something you know yet, but I'll ask. Uh, the stereotype is that su- people who commit suicide usually leave a note. Is that true or not? That is inaccurate. Most, I would say probably most of 89% of your um, deaths by suicide don't leave a note. So that's mostly a TV thing. Yes. I, you know, I think I think the community is, is so involved in the CSI and all of that kind of thing. We need to really think about what really happens in real life. And not everybody leads suicide notes. Are there any particular demographic groups that are especially at risk for suicide? Or is that something we're hoping to learn yet? Well, we're hoping to learn more about it. Right now, I can tell you with our stats that we've posted on our website, thanks to my Chief Deputy Coroner, Char Madden, who who keeps all these stats active for our offices, 17 to, I believe it was 35, are more unlikely to use a weapon of some sort. Um, Most of our suicides here in Laramie County are all weapon-involved, meaning guns. 
Um, so another thing that we've done with CRMC and Grace for Two Brothers is we're putting out um, gun safes, like gun locks. Mm-hmm. So you'll go around and see a lot of gun locks. So if you feel that one of your family members is in need or they may be suicidal and there's weapons in the house, and if you can't get them out, let's get some gun locks and make sure that we can secure those weapons and, and get those people the help that they need. Becky, what are some of the signs that maybe you mentioned maybe we should lock up the guns and that sort of thing? What are some red flags that should get people's attention? Some red flags would be talking about it, you know, saying, hey, you know, um, I'm just, I'm really down in the dumps. I'm um, depressed. Um, I just, I just don't see a need of being here anymore. And at that point, people need to realize, you don't be afraid. You can ask someone, say, hey, are you suicidal? And if they are, then I want you to find someone, whether you can call my office, Grace for Two Brothers, you can call Cheyenne Regional Medical Center and say, hey, you know, my loved one is suicidal and, you know, we do have, you know, weapons in the house or there's medications in the house and, you know, and let us let us get some intervention into these people and let's get them some help because everybody's life matters. Becky, I know from studying the uh, the issue over the years that Wyoming, sadly, is very high in national suicide rates. We're often first or second. Why is that? If we know. It's based on the population. So, you know, if you look at the, the suicide stats nationwide, I think right now we're ranked number one. We're, we've always been in the top five, but it goes by population. So if you look at the state as a whole in the population of Wyoming, we have more suicides um, than most states do. So it's, you know, it's pretty sad. A lot of people say, you know, it's because of the wind or it's because of the cold. Um, I just, we don't know that yet. And I like to, I like to hopefully think that we can get some of these, um, the suicide fatality review board teams and kind of pinpoint this directly so we can fix this problem and go to zero suicides. Now, I've heard, and, and I'm not quoting actual numbers here, so I could be mistaken in this, but I'm under the impression uh, that men in Wyoming are especially likely to take their own lives. Is that true or is that not true? That is correct, and mostly they're going to use a weapon, some kind of gun. Why, why are men especially likely to commit suicide, or is that another thing we're hoping to learn? You know, that's another thing we're definitely hoping to learn. I, I know there is some stats out there now on why, but, you know, they say a lot of times is that the men will die by suicide with a, use a weapon and then women will do more likely uh, medication but I will tell you that here in Laramie County we do have a lot of females that do uh, die by suicide with weapons too not as many as men but our number one choice here in Cheyenne and Laramie County is weapons of course well and, and, a, and a gunshot to the head or whatever is almost likely to pretty likely to be successful right away People taking pills, sometimes they get revived, sometimes the dose wasn't strong enough. So you actually, uh, with medications, you would actually have a somewhat better chance of surviving. Would that be true? You know, that's true, but we want to kind of stop it all so no one tries to do it at all. Absolutely. You know, know, we've had multiple cases where, you know, they would have several attempts in the past and, and, you know, maybe they just didn't get the help they need. And we're, we're hoping that our loss team along with grace for two brothers in the hospital and along with peak wellness we're, we're able to reach out and get these people the help they need unfortunately during covid there was excuse me there was a lot of people 
because they were doing they weren't doing the face to face, you know, because mm-hmm. of COVID. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it was the video chat, and so we, we can tell that a lot of people didn't they 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 seem to get more help when it's a, more of a face to face. They seem like it's it's better for them, and so we're hoping to go back to that. So our um, people who have had attempts or you know are suicidal but don't have a plan are able to get that face to face conversation again. Well, I think there's always something helpful about having a real-life person sitting there. Zoom is great. It's certainly better than, than nothing. Uh, but there, there's always something to be said for having that person sitting in front of you. You get the nonverbal cues, the body language, that sort of thing. Yes, for sure. Okay, I'm speaking with uh, Laramie County Coroner Rebecca Reed. You mentioned COVID. I would assume that maybe COVID in terms of the financial impact uh, people being out of work, people facing some financial challenges. I think you kind of touched on the isolation. I, I would sort of guess the pandemic did push our suicide rate up. Is, is that true? And was it a lot or, or not much? So last year in Laramie County, we had 28 suicides all year. This year right now, we're sitting at 15. Um, of course, we want that number to be at zero, like I said, because all lives matter and we care about everybody. Um, I don't you know, to be honest, when it comes to COVID versus suicide, you know, you see a lot of our suicides that have financial struggles, that have family issues going on, and it's kind of the same thing. Um, you know, in the previous years, it's financial, family relationships, that sort of thing. Um, during COVID, you know, we did have some cases where you know, the elder just weren't able to go out and have their coffee with their friends or, mm-hmm. you know, go and visit, you know, sit at, you know, one of their local restaurants that they like to sit at and just sit and chat for hours on end. So we did see some suicides um, that what that were possibly related to. But as of right now, we just can't prove it. Okay. I'm speaking with uh, Laramie County Coroner Rebecca Reed. We're talking about uh, suicide programs at the coroner's office. Becky, what, why did you launch this? Did you just see a need and, and, and went with it? Or was there something particular that, uh, that made you think it was something we needed? Or is it something you've always thought? Or how did that happen? So when the old director of Grace for Two Brothers came to me and says, hey, you know, they do these uh, lost um, teams um through the coroner's office and stuff like that and i was like you know and i've experienced suicide um in my family and close friends so i'm i'm all for any kind of outreach for suicide survivors so we don't keep having them um i kind of ran with it um the old corner was like yeah you know just do whatever you need to do and so we ran with it now we're a group of an organization with volunteers of we i believe we have eight active men or members right now um, my main thing was, is hey, we have victims advocates that are that can assist with victims of crime, but what about suicides? What about all of our other families who, you know, don't have someone to help them, you know, through their loss? So after we started the loss um, team, we also started the grief support group. Mm-hmm. We're able to help all families in Laramie County that have suffered a loss, no matter if it's a hospital death or a hospice death or, you know, just an unattended death at home. Our office is able to help anybody that needs the help. As a layman, I would think one of the challenges with this issue is it's just such a dark topic. People don't want to talk about it, but it needs to be talked about, right? right? Yeah. It definitely needs to be talked about. So grief, you know, people. some people just want to shut down and not talk about it, but we have, we have actually had some great success out of families 
on just getting them the help within 24 hours and them saying, man, it was so great just to have someone to help us, you know, Mm -hmm. walk us through the next steps of what to expect. Um, With our packets that we give to our families um, through the the loss team and the grief support group, we have what's called financial guides. Right. It kind of tells them what to expect on financial type things. Um, it also, we also have things in there. Take care of yourself. Make sure you're drinking and eating plenty of fluids. And um, and there's also tons of resources in our packets to be able to help them with. You know, we have book clubs or we have um, we have grief support groups that um, family members or loved ones can go to and talk about you know their grief and and suicide and that sort of thing. So there's. So many, um, so many things available to the Laramie County residents, and you know, I try to tell everybody take advantage when you can because you never know when you're going to need it. And some people are just amazed at how much it does help. You mentioned the financial impact. What are some of the financial challenges people face? So you know, if you're if you're double, you know, say it's a husband and a wife, and they have a double income coming in. Once one of them passes away, you're going down to a single income. And you have, you know, a few kids and they're in middle school or high school. I mean, you've got to learn to adjust to be able to go down to one income from what you were at two incomes. So there's a lot of, a lot of people could lose their homes. They could lose vehicles. Um, there could be a lot of financial difficulties to deal with. Um, credit cards, medical bills. I mean, even phone bills or just being able to do your daily activities and wondering if you're going to have enough money to be able to afford the things that you need just to be able to eat the next day. And so with with the financial guide, it kind of helps you on how to budget and realize, you know, what you're, what's going to happen now and how you can um, help yourself and document everything. And so it's a pretty good resource for our family. Rebecca, this might be a little far afield, but I'll ask anyway. Is there anything we could do as a society or as a community to reduce the rate of suicide, do you think? You know, I think as a community and whole, we need to bring compassion and respect and dignity back into our community. You know, just personally, I've been out and about here recently, and, and, you know, everybody just looks so sad. You know, everybody just looks down in the dump, and I know everybody's tired of the COVID, but it's it's there. There's nothing we can do about it. I mean, just walking down the street or walking in Walmart and, and just say hey to someone. You never know when it may brighten their day. Hey, so-and-so, talk to me that, you know. So I think that we just need to bring some compassion back and and respect the people that are out there doing the best that they can. I don't care what color you are, how you dress, or what you drive, or what kind of house you're in. I'm always going to at least say hey to somebody. Um, So I think we just need to have a little more respect for our human beings, even though that, you know, they may be different from us or they may be in a different, you know, situation than us. And we never know what someone's going through and, and what one little word may say to that person or may save their life, you know. Um, so I think we just all need to be respectful of our, our, the citizens of Laramie County and our neighbors and our friends and just reach out if you need help. Becky, I've always heard, and I, I don't, actually, I don't think this is true, but I'll bounce it off the expert here. I've, I've always heard that people think that if you bring up the subject of suicide, you're going to plant the idea in the person's head. That's not really true, though, is it? No, it's not. I'll tell you a little story, and I never knew this till probably a couple months ago. I was in Walmart buying some supplies for our grief support group and loss team, and um, like garbage bags and little shampoos and conditioners and, you know, that kind of stuff. And this guy was like, 
hey, what's all that stuff for? And so I just started talking to him. And we actually checked out, and we sat there and talked for like almost two hours. Mm -hmm. And I did not know this, that um, he actually found somebody that knew me and told me that he actually was going home to die by suicide. And just because of me talking to him and him knowing that there's support out there for people who are in this time of suicide, that um, he decided not to kill himself. Oh, wow. I tell you what, I talk to this person every day still. You know, and so I think if we just tell the normal neighbor or the citizen in Walmart or whoever it may be that it's okay to feel not okay. You know, there's people out there that are willing to help. We're there to get you through this and and just keep reminding them that your life matters. Now, I believe for people who are, are struggling with personal issues, we do have some help available as well, right? I'm sorry, what was that? I, I said, I believe for people who are struggling with personal issues, I think we've got a couple of phone lines that people can call, too. Is that right? Yeah, so so if you're struggling with suicide, you can call the um, 211 number, you know, text the Wyoming hotline. Um, also, you can talk to any social worker or any uh, mental health provider. Um, there's through Peak Wellness, Behavioral Health. Um, there's so many resources out there. And, you know, we're going to start putting them all on our website, too. We also have the Victims Advocates with the Laramie County Sheriff's Department and the Cheyenne Police Department that have a huge means of resources, too. Even if you're just struggling, um, whether it not be with suicide, just in life in general, and, and you, know, how, you know, how are you going to make it through the next day type thing, there's plenty of resources out there. And I would love to share them on our website, and we'll get them all loaded and, and um it's just I can't quote them all right now, so I apologize. Oh, that's understandable. I'm sure it's, uh, it's quite a list. Now, for your your lost team, I think you said you have eight members. Do you need more members? Yeah, so I'm always looking for members. Um, we're always looking for volunteers. Um, of course, um, there's confidentiality forms that you have to sign. Everything, all of our volunteers have to go through um, some QPR training, the question, persuade, and response training to know, you know, if you're talking to a family member and they seem to be suicidal, you can know exactly where to get them, um, get them help. We do mental health first aid. Um, We also do what's assist training on uh, assisting uh, agencies and then um, the crisis intervention training. So all of those um, trainings are that all of our volunteers go through. So if anybody would like to volunteer, you just call and talk to me anytime at uh, 307-637-8000 and just ask for Rebecca Reed. And I would love for you to join our team. We're always looking for volunteers, whether it be grief support group or just lost team or both. Um, A lot of our volunteers do both. Um, But with COVID, you know, people are catching COVID. Our volunteers are catching COVID. So, you know, they're being quarantined and that sort of thing. But yeah, I mean, if the citizens of Laramie County want to come volunteer, hey, I'm open for it. I would love to have you on our team. Sometime in the future, maybe a year down the road or so, I'd like to have you back on to find out what you have learned about some of our patterns, by the way. Yeah, that would be great. I would love to do that. And I and I hope that the Suicide Fatality Review Board team um, will be able to figure out some of those patterns and get to that no suicide where we where we really want to be. Okay. I'd like to thank my guest on this segment. I've been speaking with Laramie County Coroner Becky Reed. Thank you for calling in. We appreciate it. Thank you so much, and have a great day. You too. Talk to you later. AM 650 KGAB.
KGAB Orchard Valley Cheyenne. K258DN Orchard Valley. Breaking news, weather, sports, and talk. A Town Square media station. Um, hello, it's me. The designer jeans in your closet. The back of your closet. What am I doing here? Would you keep caviar in the back of your fridge with the ketchup and old milk? Yeah, I don't think so. So, what happened to us? I mean, have you seen my label? I used to summer in the Hamptons, and now I'm stuck behind a pair of sweats. Sure, I never really fit you quite right, and one of my pockets is so small you can't even squeeze your hand into it. But it's all about the look. And I look good. I need to get back out on the scene, so I can be seen. You know, going to fancy parties, getting expensive iced coffees, Sunday fun days, okay? So take me to Goodwill, where I can really make a difference. Your donations to Goodwill create new jobs, training programs, and education assistance for people in your community. To find your nearest donation center, go to goodwill.org. Donate stuff. Create jobs. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Ladies and gentlemen, today's opponents on Man vs. Train. At the crossing, we have Rick, a 175-pound frustrated man who's running late for work. And on the tracks, we have Bull, a million-pound freight train that takes a mile to stop. Let's see who comes out on top. You can't beat a train, so don't try. Stop. Trains can't. Paid for by NHTSA. My savings are gone. Okay, where were they last? Here, right before I spent them on the vacation to Aruba. Weird. Not weird. Not saving now means no money later. For free ways to save, go to feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. AM 650 KGAB, Cheyenne's number one news talk radio station. You're in tune with the Weekend in Wyoming program. Just ahead, we're going to switch gears a little bit. We're going to talk with Cody Tucker of 7220 Sports, kind of previewing the upcoming Wyoming Cowboy football season. And then coming up at 1233, we'll speak with uh, Mike Heath, the master gardener who's out at the Laramie County Fair. We'll talk about all things fair related. So that's what's coming up. Thank you for joining us. Once again, you're in tune with the Weekend in Wyoming program on Cheyenne's number one news talk radio station, AM 650, KGAB Cheyenne. Number of casualties and widespread devastation expected. I'm Joe Cheer on Fox News. A warning from the U.S. Geological Survey after an earthquake measuring 7.2 on the Richter scale struck just off the coast of Haiti. That country's civil protection agency says at least 29 people were killed, but that number is expected to rise. Fox's Ryan Chilcote has the latest. We don't know how this quake just yet measures up to that quake 11 years ago, but this is already the second major hard that the country has faced in just two months. You think back to July 9, the day that the then president of Haiti was assassinated. The country has quite literally been engulfed in violence since then, and it wasn't in particularly good shape before that assassination took place with lots of gang violence and other problems, uh, in part because of COVID. President Biden has authorized an immediate U.S. response to Haiti and has named former U.S. Ambassador Samantha Power as aid administrator. A group of Marines 
Americans has arrived in Afghanistan to evacuate Americans as fears grow that the Taliban could soon take over Kabul. The president has been briefed by members of his national security team about the ongoing efforts to basically affect an orderly drawdown of the civilian footprint in Afghanistan. Those briefings continue today as the president continues to spend the weekend in Camp David. And the White House press secretary, Jen Psaki, has not made a statement today, but yesterday she did say this. The president is firmly focused on how we can continue to execute an orderly drawdown and protect our men and women serving in Afghanistan. Fox's Kevin Cork reporting. A number of cities are on red alert in Spain for health risks amid sweltering temperatures. In Seville, the temperatures soared to nearly 116 degrees today. That's just shy of the country's all-time record. America is listening to Fox News. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, stay on top of the latest news and information from Fox News. Listen and download the Fox News Hourly Update on your time. The trending stories you need anytime you want it. Listen and download now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. What are the most important issues facing Americans today? Every Monday, join me, Brett Baer, Chief Political Anchor and Anchor and Executive Editor of Special Report, and my rotating all-star panel of experts as we discuss the policies, practices and solutions to the biggest and most important issues of the day. You can hear new episodes every Monday. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. The Fox News Rundown is a weekday morning podcast that dives deep into the major and controversial stories of the day. Hosted by the anchors of Fox News Radio. Subscribe now to hear a perspective of news you won't find anywhere else. Listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Weather forecasters have their eye on Fred, which has weakened to a tropical wave. It's currently near Cuba, but it's expected to move toward the U.S. John Cangelosi of the National Hurricane Center. The next zone we're really concerned about, particularly late Monday and then to early Tuesday, is going to be the Florida Panhandle and even other portions of the Gulf Coast, like the Alabama Gulf Coast, and even portions of the Mississippi Gulf Coast are all in the cone of uncertainty now. Fred's expected to dump up to eight inches of rain on Cuba before moving. Moving out, this comes as Tropical Storm Grace strengthens in the Atlantic. That storm will hit the Caribbean islands Monday afternoon. A former accounts manager for a nonprofit affiliated with the University of South Florida's medical school has pleaded guilty to embezzling almost $13 million. 59-year-old Ralph Puglisi is facing up to 20 years in prison. Court records show he spent almost $12 million in an adult website that belongs to his stepson's fiance, And the two split almost $750. $50,000 with Puglisi taking 60% of the money. The fraud was detected in November. An Indiana teen is grateful to fellow classmates after they saved his life. It was a normal first day at school at Columbus East for 15-year-old Clayton Smith until it wasn't. <laughs> Have some battle scars. The sophomore was playing football during lunch break and went out to catch a pass and crashed into one of the school's windows, severing his artery in his right arm. With two classmates that Smith barely knows coming to his rescue. They came to my aid, made a tourniquet, put it on my arm, put, applied pressure. Everybody else out there ran away. Saving Smith's life. I don't really have the words uh, off the top of my head to express how thankful I am that you're the reason I'm still here today. Jeff. And I'm Joe Chiro, Fox News. 
This weather update is brought to you by Four Corner Siding. No matter the weather, Four Corner Siding can help protect your home. Looking at a gorgeous sunny Saturday for southeastern Wyoming. Expect highs right around the middle and upper 80s. Lows tonight, middle and upper 50s. Keeping it clear. Sunday, morning sunshine. couple storms will be possible in the afternoon and evening. Highs again, upper 80s with lows mid 50s. Upper 80s, low 90s Monday and Tuesday. Thunderstorms and higher elevations spreading more onto the plains starting Wednesday with cooler temperatures. Whether you're planting a tree or digging a foundation, contact One Call of Wyoming at 1-800-849-2476 or 811. Call two business days before you dig. It's free and required by law. Repairs to utilities can be expensive. Cutting a gas line or electrical line can be deadly. No matter if it's weekend yard work or major construction, call One Call of Wyoming at 1-800-849-2476 or 811. Sponsored by Public Service Commission, Wyoming Association of Broadcasters and this station. And good afternoon and welcome once again to Report to Wyoming. We're going to do a sports segment this time around. I have Cody Tucker. Cody, our sports guy. You've got a podcast. You've got a website. Tell us all about it. Yeah, you can see uh, if you love the Wyoming Cowboys, check out 7220sports.com. We're also on Twitter at 7220sports and then, of course, on Facebook as well. So make sure to download the app. It's got everything on it, man. Those things are sweet. And one thing that you guys do, you always have fresh stuff. You don't just rehash stuff from a year ago. No. uh, Maybe my wife accused me of writing a little too much. <laughs> I think I'm on story 30 already this week, and it's Thursday. Or yeah. it's Friday. See? It's Friday, I don't yeah. even know We're what day. recording this for Saturday. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> now, you just completed your top 50 players. Number one, Marcus Harris, wide receiver. Great player, obviously. Uh, he was so special to me. Um, that was my, you know, I was like 12, 13 years old in 96 when he was just tearing it up. And I wrote it in the column today that uh, Saturdays were for Marcus Harris and Sundays were for John. John Elway, and that's where I kind of had those two were neck and neck in my life as far as being iconic sports figures. So Marcus Harris, if I recall correctly, went to the NFL with the Jets. Uh, that was Ryan Yarbrough. Ryan, um, I always get those guys mixed up. Yep, Harris went with the Lions, but that's didn't, right. uh, didn't make it through camp. So uh, not not uh, not a great NFL story for Marcus. But, uh, but these he, were the college rankings. So. Oh, totally. Yeah, we just had nothing to do with the NFL and, and what he did in the uh, college game, especially following Ryan Yarbrough, who did break all those national records. Right. Then Marcus, in just three years, came in and shattered all the Ryans. So well, special was guys. A, was this a hard list to come up with? It was because, you know, you're not going to make everybody happy. And, and there's uh, 124 years of football <laughs> at Wyoming. So um, what I did was put a panel of five people together, and I wanted a guy who watched football in the 60s and 70s. I wanted a guy who watched it in the 80s, 90s. And then, of course, when I was coming up, my first recollection really was... Yeah, my first recollection of uh, a star in Laramie was really Mitch Donahue. Uh, Mitch, and then it went right to Ryan Yarborough, and right to Ryan Christofferson, and then right to Marcus Harris. And they used to have a slogan in, in Laramie in those days called uh, Cowboy Fever, and uh, I had it. <laughs> this little guy had it. So Marcus Harris means a lot to me. Where'd Josh Allen finish in your list? Um, I can't remember right offhand, Doug, but he was top 10. Well, I would expect he would be. Uh, yeah. Which brings me to another topic. We're carrying the Bills games on KGAB this fall. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, I, I've had some actually some blowback this morning on that. Uh, it's a big deal. As you know, Doug, it's a big deal to have a quarterback who's an MVP candidate who's the franchise the face of a franchise and and in buffalo of all places which you know really kind of kindred spirits right with, mm-hmm. with wyoming and the fact that they have three wyoming cowboys on that team is uh, pretty special and who are the other two for those who don't know uh tanner gentry's at wide receiver and jake hollister is uh 
tight end. Just got picked up in the offseason. Yeah, and Jake Hollister did pretty well with Seattle the last couple mm -hmm. of years. I was surprised that they let him get away. But uh, Yeah, he's a solid, solid outlet. He was a big-time outlet for Josh in college, too. Buddy, the main reason I uh, invited you to talk to us today was we wanted to talk about the outlook for the Wyoming Cowboys 2021 football season. We were just chatting off mic. You have a pretty good feeling about this year. Is that right? Yeah, you know, I would have a good feeling about it anyway as, as somebody who covers this team and somebody who's, uh, you know, obviously lives in this state and has followed this team my whole life. Uh, but the the players have a different feel about them. The, I've never heard them mention the word championship so much in my life. Of course, that's always the goal, but mm -hmm. now it's talked about every single day. And to hear the players and the coaches talk about it, and Craig Bowles said something in one of it. He had a really emotional press conference at the end of a really tough 2020 season, and he said, it's time to kick the damn door down. Mm -hmm. And uh, you can tell that that motto has really made its way through that locker room, and it went all the way through winter conditioning. And, uh, you know, they have 95% of their roster back from last year, a team that last year was picked to, to do some things. It was a weird year last oh, year yeah. when it played out. But. Totally. And we talked about that a little bit. Yeah, it was, a, it was a terrible year in so many ways, but then it was a great year in the fact that look who Chad Muma, for instance, stepped in for Logan, Logan Wilson who's doing great things with the Bengals right mm -hmm. now. We know Chad is a bona fide star now. Just from six games last year, we mm -hmm. saw. Uh, Asias Gandy stepping in on the back end for uh, Elijah Halliburton. Didn't skip a beat there either. And then got guy, young guys like Jordan Bertinelli and Gavin Meyer in on the, you know, it was a necessity last year. But now those guys, you know, the growing pains, which there weren't even many, really. But now those guys are veterans all of a sudden. And they have their year back. And Chad Muma's on a watch list for a couple of big awards. Oh, yeah, definitely. He's a... He's a stud. He's a really good football player, and and he kind of just got backlogged, you know, because of Logan Wilson. You know, you weren't getting, you weren't going to get in the starting lineup as long as Logan Wilson was roaming middle linebacker spot in Laramie. Now it's also been long enough at this point. Craig Bull has his program in place, has the people he wants. He instills toughness. Yes, uh, he values certain things that he really looks for in a player. Tell us about that. Yeah, so Craig, he, he doesn't change much, and that's what's really kind of encouraging going into this year, I think, if you're a Wyoming fan, because he hasn't changed, but he's motivated. Mm -hmm. He's not happy at all about the way last year went. Also, this is kind of following the traje trajectory of his stint at North Dakota State. You know, it, he didn't win a title there until 2000, or nine years, mm -hmm. and this he's going into year eight right now in Laramie, so uh, obviously we, we all saw what he did in Fargo, winning three straight titles uh, before coming to Laramie, so... He's just, there's that extra motivation there, and he's, uh, it, there's just a different feeling around camp, and I know that could be easy to say because last year camp was a total nightmare, and they had to stop it and restart it and all that stuff, but uh, there's something different. There really is, and I've asked every one of them about it, and they all feel it. Uh, he's got a couple of new coaches on the staff that are bringing some serious energy, especially offensive coordinator Tim Polisek, so. New play caller this year. Yes, yep. He's a quarterback coach and an offensive coordinator. Uh, you know, Brent Vegan was with, Coach Bull for 17 years, and he was with Coach the first seven years in Laramie. Now at Montana State, I think. Yeah, which, of course, is Wyoming's opening game. <laughs> Interestingly. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, I think it's um, – I think that they needed a new voice. It just – they needed recharged, re-energized, um, and, and I'm not bashing on Vegan and, and Craig Bowl certainly wasn't their really good friends, but just needed freshened up. The word I keep hearing from players is emotion, energy, 
I didn't hear those words last year. I didn't hear them the year before either. So, you know, it seems like everybody's just kind of got their batteries recharged. Everybody was pissed off about the way last year went. And just for you who uh, who don't follow this or who've forgotten, they were 2-4 and four last year, and they didn't feel that was reflective of the team they had. No, and, and losing to Colorado State for the first time in five years uh, in an empty stadium. <laughs> losing it was to, just a weird year. Yeah, losing to a New Mexico team that had lost 17 straight games in a row, and they were living out of suitcases in Las Vegas and hotel rooms because New Mexico wouldn't even let a game happen within its borders. Oh, wow. Just really weird stuff. Uh, you know, quarterback Sean Chambers gets hurt for the season on the third snap of the year. Just one thing after another. Opt-outs. You know, it was just a terrible year. I mean, we don't need to rehash. We we all lived through this terrible year. But these guys, more specifically, they got they got the uh, Q-tip in the brain three times a week. Um, they weren't able to be normal college kids. So let's put it that way. Well, they had games canceled at the last, last minute. minute. Yep. It was hard to prepare for anything. Yep. Half your schedule literally is gone. It, it was just a strange year and probably not reflective of the team they had. But looking towards this year... Sean Chambers, first of all, he's back. What yep. can we expect from Sean Chambers? Well, the coaches really like him. This would be the if he is the starter on opening day. This would be three years in a row. Um, they're not saying it's an open competition right now between Sean and Levi at the quarterback spot, but it, nobody's naming a starter either. So, but Sean's kind of expected to be the starter, is he or is yeah, he not? Uh, yeah, I mean, he was the starter, named the starter out of spring. He's atop the depth chart. Um, you know, the guy. It's not always pretty how the guy gets it done, right? But in the in the end, he's nine and three, and. The, Two of those games were seven point loss, seven points combined losses to San Diego State and to Tulsa. And then last year he gets the L because he started that game against Nevada when he broke his leg on the third play. So the guy's a winner, and the guys the team loves him. He's a leader, great athlete, great athlete. He really does it on the ground. But as everybody, anybody who watches this team or follows this team knows, a passing element has to take place if the Cowboys hope to win a Mountain West championship. Well, I, I, I led a lot of the predictions to promo for this interview. That The one theme that ran through it more than anything is the great running game, but they got to be able to throw the ball. Have to. What, what are the prospects of that happening? Um, you know, they have such big, talented wide receivers. Um, the offensive line, Doug, is like three deep. I mean, that's what happens when everybody gets an additional year. Well, and as cliche as it is, it all starts up front. That's right. No, that's right. They have some really talented tight ends. They also have some talented uh, pass catchers out of the backfield. It, but they had that last year. Right. So that's the frustration. They had well, it in 2019, too. But we had the injury at quarterback, uh, uh, all the things we've already run through. It was just a strange year. We would hope for improvement. But even in 2019, basically since Josh Allen left Laramie, uh, the passing game has been a train wreck. And and the talent doesn't match how bad the numbers have truly been. What Which gives us hope, actually. Because yeah. they can do better. Oh, totally. I mean... I, I think Coach talked about it a lot during the offseason. They needed to re-engineer this offense. Uh, last year against Boise State, uh, the, the season finale in the snow in War Memorial Stadium, they just couldn't have gone out with more of a thud. I mean, it was it was ugly. It was an ugly game. Ugly. I, I don't even think they had 100 yards of total offense. Uh, I think Levi Williams completed three passes all day long. I mean, it was just hideous. And, and that's not winning football. And, and Craig has said it a lot. I watched that video, and that does not look like Wyoming Cowboy football. And Man, you can't even blame this one on that Smurf blue field. And <laughs> yeah, it, was, it, was here yeah. in, it was here in Laramie where we should yeah. hopefully be on our game. But. Yeah, no, the Cowboys couldn't get much of anything going. And, and you know how it goes, Doug. And you're a big NFL guy. You can't throw the ball. Everybody knows who's getting it. 
So it's pretty amazing that Wyoming's actually had as much success on the ground as they have. That shows you how talented they are because nobody's afraid of their passing game. Speaking of which, and I can never say his name right, but Xavier Holiday is Validay. Validay. Yep, yep, Sorry about yep, that. Yep. Uh, Xavier Holiday. He's a back-to-back Mountain West uh, leading rusher. <laughs> I mean. And before that, it was Nico Evans was the Mountain West leading rusher. So Wyoming's doing that right, mm-hmm. no doubt about it. They have bell cows back there. They have guys that can get yards and chunks. But imagine, you know, I say this on my own podcast all the time, Doug, those Broncos teams of the late 90s. With Terrell Davis and John Elway. Yeah. Look what Terrell did for that team. Oh, yeah. It wasn't on John anymore. All you got to do is... And that made com- all the difference. When, when yeah. When ran for 2,000 yards. Yeah. All you got to do is complete, what, 60% of your balls? If the Cowboys can consistently throw the ball for 150 yards a game, yes. they win a lot of games. Yes, they do. Uh, because the defense is going to keep them in every game, for one. And then you can really you can really put your foot on their throat with the running game. But uh, I always compare that to those late 90s Broncos teams because that's all you need is that passing element. Mm-hmm. John Elway was in cruise control most days back in those days. Oh, yeah. He didn't he didn't have to throw for 350 every week. Exactly. Didn't even want to, necessarily. Yeah, didn't need to. Yeah. So that's what the Cowboys need, an element of that. Um, and when you run the ball that well, like Denver did, those passing lanes should be wide open. That's what's been mind-boggling these last two so years. So why hasn't that been the case? There just hasn't been separation. From what I understand, the route tree is just, you know, way too complicated, was way too complicated. I mean, Will the new offensive coordinators fix that problem, do we think? So I use the word dumbing down the offense. Oh. Craig Bull didn't like that at all. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, they, simpler. they simplified it. They simplified it, and they said, hey, we got way too much crap. Mm-hmm. And it's not working. Right. So imagine you have all that extra crap in your head. You're not playing fast. Right. And which is what we've seen. No separation. You don't want to be thinking too much out there in the field. No. And and, and if you think about it, think about the offensive line too. How great they are at run blocking. That's all they did was run block. Right. So when you have to when you have a third and eight, and you have to actually keep a guy off your quarterback for three seconds, four seconds. Third down efficiency was a problem last year. Bad. Really bad. Uh, 30%, I think they were hovering around. It was it was horrible. But defense, imagine, I always thought to myself, I wish I was a defensive coordinator facing this Wyoming offense, especially on third and eight. Right. Yeah, there's no chance you're getting this. Let's talk about the defense. 11 starters returning, from yeah. what I understand. Yeah, not to mention guys who opted out. Uh, so, Solomon Bird, so, six and a half sacks in, 19, yep. in uh, 2019. Yep, Solomon Bird, him and uh, Garrett Crawl on the defensive ends. Those guys should really really help the secondary uh, by getting to the quarterback. There's a veteran secondary, veteran corners out there in C.J. Colton and Azizi Hearn. They should really benefit from uh, that pass rush that's coming. Also, uh, the defensive ends should benefit from their coverage. I mean, that's how it works, right? Well, and granted, it was six games, but 17 sacks last year, that's not going to get it done. No, and they they had so many young guys up front last year. And Garrett Kroll, who's a team captain as well at defensive end, he he was uh, he didn't he didn't play till the fourth game of the year. Selling the bird out the whole year. Bird out the whole year. Uh, safety Rome Weber out the whole year. A uh, couple of defensive interior guys, but you know that's that's where we talked about the possible growing pains last year turning into now you got some seasoned dudes mm-hmm. who've been in the trenches. Who you know Jordan Bertinelli's the one I always go back to. He's a kid from Casper who plays defensive tackle. I believe he's only about two seventy and uh, small for today's defensive tackle. Very small, and he had no experience. He was a walk on and. And, uh, man, did he hold his weight last year. He held his own all year long. Now he's a dude that you feel comfortable in the in the rotation. You absolutely do. Could this be the best defense in the Mountain West? Yes. Yeah. Unequivocally, yes. Um, they're, they're really good at every spot. They're two deep, three deep at every spot almost. Cornerback is the one spot you really like the two. And I know Craig Bull really likes the top two guys. 
After that, you have a little bit of a dip. However, uh, when I say dip, I mean total inexperience, youth. Um, Athletic ability, but not proven yet. Right, not proven. Uh, but the Cowboys are also blessed to have two really good nickelbacks in Keon Glinton and Keon Blankenbaker, uh, or Keontae Glinton, excuse me, and Keon Blankenbaker. So one of those guys, both of those guys could slide out to that corner spot too if need be. Chad Muma's a beast. Chad Muma's really, really good. Um, just talked about him yesterday. I feel like he might have more raw talent than Logan Wilson, uh, but... Logan showed that he could take the ball away with more frequency. Right, right. Plus, he had it. He was a playmaker. Yeah, absolutely. So I know that's a big deal for Chad this year. He really wants to get his hand on some more balls and 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 get some more fumbles and get some more interceptions and those those sort of things. So uh, I believe he had ninety one tackles in five and a half games last year. Uh, he that's got pretty good. Yeah, he got kicked <laughs> out of the. Uh, he got ejected from the New Mexico game, so he didn't even play the second half because of targeting. But yeah, imagine imagine a full season of that. That that would shatter Wyoming's all time record, which is held by Galen Thaxton still from the late eighties. So, I actually knew Galen right right here in Cheyenne. I used to yep. work out with him. Uh, he played with the Falcons for yep. a while. Yep. And with San Diego. Yep. Nice man. Sweetheart of a man. Good guy. Yep. Um, brings back some memories. Yeah. Anyway, uh, let's talk about the competition. Boise State's always going to be in the race, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, we we just went to Mountain West Media Days in Las Vegas two weeks ago, and uh, you know, as a media member, we get to vote on who who finishes first, second, third. You know, um, I picked Boise State. How could you not? Um, they do. Wyoming did receive two first place votes. Um, I don't know who they came from. Uh, I would have. I don't think it was a wrong thing. I could have. I could have easily voted for the Cowboys, but I, it's it's a prove it year, Doug. Is right. what it is, and until the Cowboys can prove they can do that and and knock off those guys, it's it's Boise State's league, and everybody else is just living in it. So uh, this is the year to do it, and the Cowboys have the team to do it. San Jose State, a team that traditionally has not been that great, they've really come into their own the last couple of years. Yeah, you got to give them a ton of credit the way they maneuvered COVID last year. Um, Especially in California. You know, California was so hardcore with the virus that uh, San Jose State had to play some of their home games in Las Vegas as well. And they just did a phenomenal job. Uh, and, and I remember, Doug, two years ago at Mountain West Media Days talking to their head coach, Brett Brenton. He's a really nice man. And he was really enthusiastic about his team and really enthusiastic about all the upgrades they were making at the stadium. And I couldn't help but think, man, you're such a nice guy. Too bad you're not going to be around to see it because there's not a chance in hell San Jose State's going to be worth a darn anytime soon. Uh, he wins National Coach of the Year. Um, they win the Mountain West. They go undefeated. They whip Boise in the Mountain West title game. Good for the Spartans. And this is a team that was fighting a losing tradition in football. Bad. They don't even have bleachers on one side of their stadium Are right you now. serious? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's yeah. San Jose State, you got to think about that. It's a commuter school, a lot of uh, foreign students. Uh, football's not on on their mind. That <laughs> is now. Yeah, and you hope it is because you want them to be strong because I feel bad for the Spartans because when people talk about, of course, all this conference realignment and everything, it's like, why did we ever get San Jose State, get them out of here? You watch their basketball games, there's 10 people in the crowd. I mean, it is what it is. Uh, but really happy for those guys. Now I think they were picked to finish second on the Western Division behind Nevada. Rightfully so, in, in a lot of ways. Nevada's bringing back a ton of talent, including Carson Strong, who was the Offensive Player of the Year last year in the league. But uh, I think people, including myself, you know, we want to see if San Jose State can do that over a 12-game was, was this a fluke, or, or, or are they that good? Or yeah, you know, I don't know if it's a fluke, but 
you do it over 12 games. Six games in a weird year doesn't prove quite as yeah. much as you might think. But, man, how, how special that they were able to navigate that. You know, Wyoming didn't. Let's talk about Nevada. Oh, they're good. They everybody's coming back. They got a they got a really big receiver named Romeo Dubs, who's really good. Cole Turner, who was named the tight end uh, first team tight end uh, in the conference, and then everything starts with Carson Strong. I've actually been hearing NFL guys talking about Carson Strong possibly being a top ten pick next oh, year. Wow. And, uh, wow. It's kind of hard to believe. I mean, he's he's good, but when I think of top ten picks, I think of Josh Allen. I don't, you know, Carson doesn't have those physical gifts that Josh has. Not a lot of people do, of course. Certainly not the arm. No, no, he doesn't have the arm, but he's got a lot of talent around him. And uh, Nevada should be really good. And, um, man, that was a bad Wyoming opened in Reno last year. And just a really, you can tell how good that team is. That team's got a really good defense. Wyoming actually took him into overtime after going down by 20-some points in the third quarter. So a really good battle for the Cowboys. But, man, Nevada's good. And I can imagine in their little stadium when they get that sucker rocking, it's probably a, probably a pretty fun place to be. How about Air Force? You know them. Always the well, when they run that offense, you've got to throw everything out that you yeah. do the rest of the year. You've yeah. got to be disciplined, lane lane discipline. You've got to you've got to do your do your job as Bill Belichick. Follow the fullback. <laughs> Follow the fullback. But, but it yeah. takes a different mindset because oh, totally. it, it's just so different. Yeah. It, it's like the old wishbone offense that we used to see back in the day. Totally, and that's where Air Force has a lot of people, a lot of pieces they need to replace on the offensive line. But you can't help but really think that it's almost plug and play. If they can find some people to master the 10 plays they run, uh, they could be really good. It's almost the system as much as it is the talent. Totally, totally. Yeah, they could be really good. What I do like, and I think Wyoming fans would agree with this, uh, Cowboys play four non-conference games, then have a bye week, then it's at Air Force. So the Cowboys have an extra week to prepare for the Falcons and their wishbone and, and you know, or their triple option attack. And it, It's almost the same thing. As yeah, well. yeah, 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 potato, potato. But the, and the Cowboys, the Cowboys traditionally play Air Force really well. So that's always a fun game. It's down in Colorado Springs this year. Uh, so a lot of Cowboys fans will be in attendance. And uh, it's a big one because I think nobody's saying it, but I'll say it for them, Doug, even though I probably shouldn't. Uh, they're not happy with Air Force. Air Force had to cancel last year. One of those teams, they canceled last minute. And uh, things weren't going good for the Falcons last year. So I think people said, hmm. There's some bad blood there to some they're, extent. They're losing. Of course, how they don't want to come to Larry. Yeah, how convenient. <laughs> Same with Utah State. How convenient. Am I leaving anybody out of the conference race? Um, you know, who's a legit contender? You know, Hawaii could probably. Hawaii's a, a pretty decent little scrappy team over there on the west side, but man, their travel is just killer. For instance, Hawaii's Hawaii played in Laramie last year. They come back this year again, and it's the last game of the year in late November. Talk about climate shock. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully it'll be snowing, maybe oh. whiteout conditions. So I, I interviewed some Hawaii guys at Mountain West Media Days, and last year they just had a heck of a time, too, because Hawaii was really hardcore with the virus as well. Right. And, uh, they played their first game at Fresno State, then got on a plane and stayed in a hotel in Denver all week long to go to Laramie. And um, that was the first time a lot of those guys had seen snow. They put it on their social media account, all the players out there, because it snowed in Denver, and they were outside playing in it. And, uh, <laughs> and I talked to a guy about what was that bus ride like to Laramie, and he just said, wow, you know, this, this, is, not, uh, this is not Honolulu anymore. No, this ain't Honolulu, people. <laughs> nope. <laughs> 
So what do you expect from the from the Cowboys this year? Second place? Uh, Can we hope for first? Yeah. No, I honestly, Doug. Um, you said I, you voted for him second. Second, yeah, and that was more out of respect for Boise State. I think the Cowboys. Uh, I think their schedule lines out for them pretty well. They do have to play at Boise. Um, that's a Friday night national television game. Uh, last time they played in Boise and went to overtime. Cowboys fell twenty to seventeen in overtime. I remember so, that game. Yeah. Um, this is the year the Cowboys need to do it. They absolutely do. And, you know, you can make the excuse already and say, well, the Cowboys are only going to lose maybe seven or eight seniors from this team, too, and they're going to be back next year. But the way college football players are moving and where it's basically free agency these days, you need to do it while you have the opportunity. Absolutely. And this, this team has the opportunity to do something special this year. Well, and I know Craig Bowl wants that championship on his resume in Laramie. Yeah, he got off to such a rough start here when trying to implement his way of life. <laughs> well, the program was in bad shape. Bad, yeah. And he only won two games or six games those first two years combined. And, and he, this guy came in with a record of 130 and. 40 or something like that. Dominant so, at, yeah, at, at yeah. North Dakota State. Yes. Carson Wentz, of, of course, came out of that program. Yeah. So, he, I mean, he wants to prove that he's a good defensive one. He, he already is a good Division One coach, but he still has a sub-500 record. The Cowboys still haven't won that elusive championship. They came close in 2016 when they hosted it, but it, it's time. Like he said, it's time to kick the door down. The fans, I haven't seen the fans this excited ever. You tack on 95% of your roster coming back, plus you tack on a pissed-off Craig Bull, and you tack on the fact that last year sucked so incredibly bad. People are ready. Uh, Montana State is, uh, they're coming into a buzzsaw, I'm afraid. That one could get ugly. Yeah, and it, and it won't because Craig is... Not that kind of guy. Not that kind of guy. But, Especially against his old friend. Right, but the fans... That, that is going to be an electric atmosphere. It's going to be a really good atmosphere. People are so excited to get back to some sort of normalcy. And uh, the Cowboys are, I know this is always a lightning rod thing. Cowboys are, like, their team's about 96% vaccinated, um, which is a big deal because uh, they're not letting you replay games this year. No, no. You're going to forfeit for one, and you're going to have to fork over the money that you lost out on because you couldn't fill, fulfill your TV obligation. So that could get a, that's a big bill. Okay, I've been talking with Cody Tucker. Cody, any last thoughts for our audience on the Cowboys 2021 season? Just, uh, it's just exciting, Doug. This time of year is always exciting, but it's really exciting when you know your team has a shot. Uh, Absolutely. And, and they do. The Cowboys really have a shot this year, and you can really tell the fan base is rallying. And it's just going to be fun. I mean, it's, for me, it's more fun to cover a winner, right? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, hey. Yeah, no question about that. Yeah, I've covered some pretty damn bad teams in my life, so <laughs> it's, always, it's always fun to be in the winning locker room. Okay, we've been talking with Cody Tucker. Cody, you'll keep us posted as the season progresses. Yes, sir. Check out 7220sports.com. Always have new stuff. Always on the site. AM650 KGAB Cody Tucker from 7220 Sports previewing the Wyoming Cowboy football season, which on paper looks pretty good. Most of us are excited about the season uh, getting ready to start here in the not-too-distant future. Of course, uh, Cody will keep us posted along. AM650 KGAB Cheyenne's number one news talk radio station. It's 1231. Now is the time to take your vehicle to Terrell Honda and get it ready and roadworthy for the fall season. Start with a synthetic oil change and multi-point inspection it's also time to inspect your tires and make sure you have proper alignment. And be sure to test that battery as well. Terrell Honda's service department works on all makes and models and is staffed with certified technicians. Keep it local, Cheyenne. Stop right at your door. Buy local Wyoming roasted coffee at snowyelk.com.
This weather update is brought to you by Four Corner Siding. No matter the weather, Four Corner Siding can help protect your home. Looking at a gorgeous sunny Saturday for southeastern Wyoming. Expect highs right around the middle and upper 80s. Lows tonight, middle and upper 50s. Keeping it clear. Sunday morning sunshine. Couple storms will be possible in the afternoon and evening. Highs again, upper 80s with lows mid 50s. Upper 80s, low 90s Monday and Tuesday. Thunderstorms and higher elevations spreading more onto the plains starting Wednesday with cooler temperatures. One in three adults in America have pre-diabetes, but most don't know it. To let people know it can be reversed before it becomes type 2 diabetes, professional basketball player Julius Randle is doing everything in reverse. I'm only dunking with reverse windmills. I drove the whole way to practice in reverse. I don't recommend it. This move's called the reverse shuffle. I do recommend it. And it took me months to learn how to speak in reverse, like this. <clears throat> Here's 10 almost for diabetes type 2 with living, then has mom my. In other words, my mom has been living with type 2 diabetes for almost 10 years. So together, we want to say to the 84 million Americans at risk, exercise and healthy eating can help reverse prediabetes. Start by taking a simple one-minute risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its prediabetes awareness partners. <laughs> Bet he can't say that in reverse. AM 650 KGAB, Cheyenne's number one news talk radio station. You're in tune with the Weekend in Wyoming program. On the phone, I have Mike Heath, the master gardener. Mike, you're out at the Laramie County Fair, is that right? I am Doug. This morning segment is brought to you live in Laramie County Fair Exhibit Hall. And boy, there are some wonderful things. We get ready to head out the door out here. Wow. What's going on out there? Well, it's, it's kind of dead at the moment because, of course, the 4-H livestock sale is going on in the event center right across the road from us. And, uh, but I am looking at all of the exhibits now with all the ribbons awarded. And uh, people are getting ready to pack them up and uh, take them out about 3 o'clock this afternoon. And it was just, I just can't tell you how great it was this year. Mike, uh, why, why are you out at the fair? Well, um, I judged the 4-H in the uh, gardening and horticulture and entomology, the insects. And then I also volunteer with the floriculture, which is the flower exhibits over in the exhibit hall. Uh, just the part that's near and dear to my heart. Kind of give us a recap of how the fair has gone. What are some of the highlights this year? Well, the thing there's two things that amazed me. Let's let's start with floriculture since that's uh, my favorite area. The quality of the exhibits, uh, just what people here in Lambie County grow, is just phenomenal. Um, there's a category for almost every flower uh, that exists, and if you don't have a category. We'll make one for you. Uh, we've got everything from herbs. Uh, like I'm looking at right now at just some of the prettiest dill that I've seen in a long time. Um, there's basil uh, that is flowering, by the way. And, uh, oh gosh, there's rosemary plants on the herb side, tarragon, oregano, you name it, it's here. And then we go into roses. And some of the most beautiful roses, uh, tea roses, um, miniatures, regular roses. Uh, we just have all kinds of uh, colors, varieties, you name it. Uh, potted plants, uh, some in arrangements, some not. Uh, some hanging baskets. 
And my favorite and the best of show is an orchid that has been growing uh, blooming continuously for 13 years. Wow, how's that possible? A lot of tender, loving care. I mean, is that like some weird breed, or how did they do that? No, uh, really, it's just how she takes care of it. And uh, I guess this is this lady's favorite plant. And she is constantly tinkering around with it and just keeping it going. And, and I said, I'm standing in front of it right now. And it looks just like it did the day it came in. It's gorgeous. Uh, kind of a lavender with a hot pink uh, center on the flower. Um, big, bright green leaves. Just obviously can't, the plant is uh, very well cared for. Now, that would take a lot of work to make it continuously, continuously, if I could talk, bloom for 13 years, would it not? A lot of work. And a lot of little tricks of the trade, and some of which she didn't uh, uh, share with us. But one that she did is she gives it an ice cube periodically. Okay, why does she do that? Now, stop I right don't there. I have a clue. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I thought works. maybe that was some secret thing that I hadn't heard about. but Well, there is something I haven't heard about, but it works. Okay. And obviously it has because that orchid is still blooming and looking great. Now, what are some of the other highlights of this year's okay. fair? The next one that got me, and now, do you eat broccoli, Doug? I know you cook a lot. I, I didn't hear what you said. What? Did you eat broccoli? Um, I like broccoli. I, I wouldn't say I cook it a lot. I like broccoli. It's very healthy stuff. Okay. Well, how would you do with a head of broccoli? That is about 14 inches across. I would love that, actually. <laughs> and, and you know, you're asking what I would do? I would eat it fresh if I could get it all finished before exactly. it turned bad. The stem on this thing, and I'm looking at it now, of course it's all shriveled up, it's been sitting here for a week, not refrigerated and such. The stem on it right now uh, is about two inches across. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, uh, when the lady brought it in, I looked at that and it's like, You've got to be kidding me. No, no, wait a minute. Did she put some special fertilizer on that, or is this, again, some special breed, or how did this happen? She thinks it's the quality of the seed that she got. Okay. And, uh, in fact, she's supposed to be sending me the uh, uh, origin of that seed, but that's what she attributes it to, but she's kind of amazed, too, that it got so big, but it sure did well at the fair. Superior award. I don't think I've ever seen one that big. Me either. And, and it's not like it's a uh, abnormally formed head either. It's a very well formed head. Have you ever seen a broccoli head that big? No, not not even close. You know, maybe six inches on a real good head. Well, I mean, did she use some special fertilizer or anything like that? Not that she told me. Not that she, okay. Well, well she no, might want to keep her secrets though too. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be talking to her again. I've got her card. <laughs> <laughs> I've just never seen it that. No, I've, I've never grown broccoli. I don't even know how common it is to be grown in Wyoming. Probably have a greenhouse, I assume. Well, it does grow. Um, I've grown it. I've never got anything like that. I've done the uh, colored broccoli too, like the uh, the cheddar cheese, which is an orange broccoli. I've seen those. Do those taste? By the way, let me stop you there. Do those yeah. taste any different than the green broccoli or not? Actually, they don't. They don't. Okay. I, I've well, also well, bought actually, the. Actually, I'll tell you that back. It's cauliflower, not broccoli. Cauliflower, cauliflower. right, right. I've um, also bought the uh, the rainbow carrots in the store, and those kind of taste the same as regular carrots. Um, some of those the gourmet are a little bit sweeter. Okay. And uh, but there again, there, there are so many varieties of carrots 
that you can get real sweet carrots, woody carrots, uh, tough, tender, big, little, you name it. Uh-huh. Uh, but the cauliflowers, I've grown the uh, regular whites, the cheddars, the purple. Um, they all taste the same. Now, the one that's different is the green cauliflower. Now, again, I've so, seen those, but I haven't tried it. Well, it's a real good flavor, and it doesn't even look like cauliflower. It looks kind of like a, uh, oh, God, like a star quilt pattern. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. If you're familiar with that. Uh, but it's also a cross between broccoli and cauliflower. It's not even a true cauliflower or a true broccoli. Don't they call that like broccoflower or something? Uh, no. Um, they consider it to be a green cauliflower. Okay. And, and there is a name for it, but it's more of a variety. And there's a couple of different varieties of it. I see. But, okay. Uh, but it's really good. And super healthy stuff. It's super healthy. You betcha. You bet. But the horticulture and the horticulture is not everything that's going on out of the fair. So uh, what else is happening? There are crafts uh, in categories. And when I say crafts, um, a lot of these things people do as a routine. There are ceramics. Uh, there's a display here of uh, wool chickens. Of what? Wool chickens. Wool, W-O-O-L? Yep. What, what, what the heck is a wool chicken? Made out of raw wool, and it's a little family of chickens. The uh, the rooster, the chicks, and the hen, and then next to them, there's some eggs. Uh, oh, these the, are like uh, artwork. Okay, this is artwork. Okay, I thought you meant there were actual wool chickens running around. As I've never uh, seen that. <laughs> that well, there are chickens around the fair. They're on the other side, not where I'm at. Okay, and then there's uh, one of the neat things I'm looking at is just the detail of this house uh open roof of course you can see inside uh the kids sitting down at the, on the couch it's made out of legos um but the detail of it, the crockery in the kitchen mom in the kitchen stove cooking um uh, is just phenomenal um there are uh christmas ornaments of course and like big santas uh snowmen um photo albums, uh, just all kinds of stuff in the crafts area. Now, if we move down into the foods, and there's a big sign on there that kind of bothers me, Doug, that says, don't eat. (laughs) (laughs) That's just not right. (laughs) And uh, looking at something like that's what I want to do. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Mike, I do need to take a a break and take care of 954.40. Rates and availability may vary by state. Sample rate quotes based on preferred non-tobacco underwriting. Exam required to qualify. A ranger station. I'd like to report a bear hug. Okay. I put out my campfire and Smokey Bear hugged me. So you drowned the fire, you stirred it, drowned it again, and felt that it was cold? Uh-huh. Yeah, but he's just letting you know you did good. Bear hug from Smokey Bear. Status update. I'm going to let you go now. There are many ways to start a fire, but one sure way to put it out. Learn how you can do your part at SmokeyBear.com. Sponsored by the U.S. Forest Service Ad Council and your state forester. AM 650 KGAB, Cheyenne's number one news talk radio station. You're listening to the Weekend in Wyoming program. On the phone, I have Mike Heath, the master gardener. He's out at the Laramie County Fair. Mike, did you have a chance to walk up to the next booth yet? Oh, I 
I did, and I tell you what, that sticky bun there on the food table is just calling my name. That's cruel and unusual punishment, that, that is. That is. Uh, but I'm looking at pickles and relishes, uh, I mean, all kinds of pickles, uh, pickled fruit, um, then uh, uh, some unusual pickled things, asparagus, uh, things like that. Um, and then jams, jellies, fried, uh, dried fruits, not fried fruits, dried fruits of all sorts. Um, and just look at some of the things these people are doing. And I can't say, ladies, I've entered in this class before, too. Uh, and then I moved down to the cookies. Oh, they look good. I bet they do. Little, I um, bet they do. There's a uh, strawberry cookie down here. It just looks magnificent. Banana bread. And, Love banana bread. Oh, gosh. Um, muffins of all kinds. And there's a little coconut-covered ball of something here. I'm not sure what that is. Let's see. That is called a uh, uh, just a white cake. But a kid entered that one. Oh, really? And, and that one, it really looks delicious. It looks kind of like a gingerbread, actually. Uh-huh. And, uh, and then, of course, we get into some of the other areas, like photography. We have some photographers in this town that are absolutely amazing. Kind of describe some of the, the ones that caught your eye, if you could. Well, uh, it's hard to do. The, a lot of the landscapes, most of them are pretty much gone now. Okay. Um, but there are some landscapes in there that well you got to come across the, the location first and that that's key but just the quality of, of the lighting and uh, uh, the positioning of the camera to get the shot whoever did that just has skill like you wouldn't believe um, and then there's photos uh, of people portraits of course um, a lot of cars in the photography, mm -hmm. and uh, and it's not just a picture of a car. It would be, for example, there was one that was a, an old car, obviously been derelict for years, out in the field with flowers and grass, of course, around it. And but just the artistic ability of that person to capture that particular photo, I, it's one of those that just takes your breath away to see it, even though it appears or would appear to be common. And I come down into, after the photos, into the art area. And there is a young lady from Cheyenne that took the Mona Lisa, cut the photo in half, and then drew the other half of the Mona Lisa. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. And her ability in doing that, oh, my word. So did she draw it like the original, or did she change it? She drew it like the original, just as if it was the other half of the photo. Wow. I, I'm and envious of people like that. I have zero talent in that regard. Oh, I admire people who do. And, and I'm the only one in my family that can't draw, and I can't even write my name. <laughs> Don't feel bad. But, uh, but I mean, there's one here, the Superior Award. I'm looking at it right now, uh, of art drawings. And let's see... The person that did this one was in fourth, fifth, or sixth grade, because those three grades were a class of themselves. Okay. And it's a seascape picture. It's got a swordfish, a whale, a sea turtle, and a stingray in it. 
and it is drawn in such a way that it appears three-dimensional. Oh, wow. And the coloring is just brilliant in it, and you can see all of these creatures rising up towards the surface. Uh, there isn't a character in this. And it's just the, the skill that we have here in Lambert County. I wish more people come out and enter what they do day to day. Uh, this is just a wonderful place to see it and to come out and visit the fair when it happens again next year. Uh, just to see what happens here in Lambert County that we don't hear about, we don't know about. Is just we invite you in for an easy, stress-free experience. Stop by or visit us at kiefcheyenne.com. One in six seniors faces the threat of hunger, and millions more live in isolation. Drop off a hot meal and say a quick hello. Volunteer for Meals on Wheels by donating your lunch break at americaletsdolunch.org. This message brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. AM 650 KGAB, Cheyenne's number one news talk radio station on the phone. I have Mike Heath, the master gardener. Mike filling us in about all the events out at the uh, Laramie County Fair. Uh, Mike, uh, what's next? Okay, I'm in the quilting area and the fiber arts area now, which is the end of the exhibit hall. And quilts anymore, man, they are not your grandmother's quilts. Okay. <laughs> These the, the pictures on them, the, the history, the, uh, the designs that people come up with, the color combinations, and then the skill to put it all together. Okay. Uh, and my sister quilts, I've got a little bit of experience in this, and she's a very, she's a master quilter. Uh-huh. Uh, there again, one of the artistic people in my family that I am not. Um, but just look at it, what they've done here, it, it, that's worth the trip to the fair all by itself, just to see the quilts and to see what the folks here in Hermit County have done. Um, and something else that's really neat, like I say, I'm also in the fiber arts area, is that they have uh, spinning demonstrations all week. And they'll have one more today, uh, later on this afternoon, where they're actually spinning raw wool into thread and yarn. And that is something that's almost a lost art. Uh, and then to see some of the things that people here have made out of raw yarns and threads uh, like that. Um, rival anything you could ever find in a store. Oh, really? Oh, good gosh, yes. Uh, in fact, they're probably better quality because they're done by hand and not by a machine with a uh, little quality control. Mike, is the fair about to wrap up or is, or is today the last day? What's going on there? Today is the last day. Um, like I said, we're doing the 4-H sale uh, as we speak. And that's the last event for 4-H, which this year, the uh, entries in 4-H, I've got to say, the quality has gone up so much. And, and, and I've got to give a shout-out to one family, the Geezer family. Okay. Uh, there are 12 kids in that family. Ten of them show in flower arrangements. Wow. And ten of them have skills that I would put up against any professional flower shop. That I've ever seen. That's pretty impressive. Oh my gosh. Uh, they've got the eye for it, they've got the love for it, they've got the talent, and it's every kid. Uh, and that is just in itself so unusual to find that much talent in one family in the same area. Uh, they are just wonderful people and highly talented people, and I'm looking forward to seeing them again next year. 
Um, but I mean, just the 4-H exhibits as well, and I'm not in that hall, so I can't describe everything to you. But uh, there was a bench made out of a steel drum that the young man welded together. And I would put that quality of welding up against professional too. And he's, I believe, 16 years old, if I remember right. Uh, just the quality of everything you see out here and what the kids do, what the adults do. And the fair is open to everybody, Doug. Um, you don't have to be a member of anything to enter. You don't have to uh, pay an entry fee. There are premiums awarded for the placings. Um, and I would love to see more people participating. It is just so much fun. They have events every night. Demolition derbies, pig wrestling, which is an absolute hoot if you've never seen it. Uh, there was motocross one night, uh, pie-eating contests. Uh, you name it, it's here. And most of it, not all the evening events, not all of them, but some of them are. But most everything is free. Uh, it's fun for the family. There are food vendors all over the place. There's always a farmer's market on the uh, first Saturday of fair. And it just events for the entire family. Mike, we're, yeah. we're about out of time here. Real quickly, any last thoughts for our listeners? Uh, start looking for the fair book to come out here in the next few months for 2022. And enter and come out and join us. This is just one of the best free events you could ever find. Mike, we sure do appreciate your time this afternoon. And, of course, we'll be talking to you again uh, next month as part of the Master Gardener program. You bet, Doug. You have an absolutely wonderful day. You too. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. AM 650 KGAB. You've been listening to the Weekend in Wyoming program. Thank you for joining us. Of course, we'll do it again next week right here from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. on AM 650 KGAB. Thanks for joining us. Thanks to all my guests today. And uh, be safe this weekend. Have a great week. We will talk to you later. KGAB Orchard Valley Cheyenne, K258DN Orchard Valley. Breaking news, weather, sports, and talk. A Town Square media station. We're here early before they wake up. We stay late. We stay informed. We invest in the latest technology. We take the time to train the next generation of doctors and nurses. We work together to make sure we heal their bodies and their minds. We do this not because it's our job, but because this is about our veterans' lives. This is our mission. More than 300,000 of us working as one, together with families and loved ones. No matter where they live in this country, we'll be there. We all come together and stand together to serve our veterans. We stand strong, united. Stand with us in caring for our veterans. Dad, this is fun. I didn't think I liked kayaking. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it, but I think it's time to head back in. Okay. Can we come back? Sure. Hey, be careful getting out of the boat. It's a kayak, Dad. <laughs> I'm going to return the kayak. 
Can we walk home? How about a taxi? It's a short fare from your neighborhood to your naturehood. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a neighborhood park or green space near you. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the U.S. Forest Service. How long does it take to get to the forest? That's not far. What are we going to do? Hike? Sure. Are we there yet? Yep. It's a short drive from your neighborhood to your naturehood. Visit discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the U.S. Forest Service. help to Afghanistan. I'm Joe Chiro, Fox News. The U.S. has sent more Marines to help evacuate Americans. The second wave of Marines have arrived at Kabul's International Airport under full combat load. There are reports now that U.S. jets are striking the Taliban outside the capital city, which could fall any day now. The U.S. military now preparing for a full evacuation and closure of the embassy in Kabul if ordered by the State Department. Sensitive documents now being destroyed at the embassy that cost over $700 million to build. In a speech to his nation today, Afghan President Ashraf Ghani vowed not to give up over what he called the nation's largest achievements over the past 20 years. Fox's Lucas Tomlinson, a lawmaker, says the city of Masari Sharif has now fallen to the Taliban. President Biden has pledged an immediate aid response to Haiti after a 7.2 magnitude earthquake struck earlier today. The country is reporting at least 29 deaths, but that number is expected to rise. Reverend Franklin Graham is president of the humanitarian aid organization. Samaritan's Purse. The number one thing is water. You have to have water to survive. And that's why the water purification, we can take care of about 5,000 people a day uh, with the, the two units that we're taking down there. And we can take more if needed in the next uh, few days. The U.S. Geological Survey says the epicenter was about 78 miles west of Port-au-Prince. Newly formed tropical storm Grace churning at the Atlantic Ocean. National Hurricane Center acting director Jamie Rome. Right on the hills of Fred um, is, is Grace. Uh, Grace uh, will move off to the west-northwest and approach the southeast coast of the United States in, in four to five days. It's, it's really too soon to say for sure what sort of impacts because there's a lot of land in their action. Tropical depression Fred is expected to bring rain to parts of Florida. America is listening to Fox News. Get all of your favorite Fox News podcasts ad-free on Apple Podcasts with Fox News Podcasts Plus. From Trey Gowdy, the Fox News Rundown, Will Kane, Brian Kilmeade, and so much more. Go to foxnewspodcasts.com for all the details. The Fox News Rundown. Start your day with a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. A daily morning podcast going far beyond the headlines. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, Dana Perino, co-host of the 5 and America's Newsroom on Fox News Channel, returns to the world of audio with a new limited-time podcast, Everything Will Be Okay with Dana Perino. Building off the success of her best-selling book of the same name, Dana provides an unequaled brand of advice built on real-life experience and interviews experts and individuals that make a difference in the lives of others. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. The U.S. records a near record number of new COVID cases Friday as the Delta variant spreads and leaders around the country take measures to combat the surge. Johns Hopkins reports the U.S. saw over 290,000 new cases Friday, only about 10,000 short of the daily record set on January the 2nd and that the country recorded over 1,900 deaths. 
Alabama Governor Kay Ivey issued a state of emergency as her state tied a record low for available intensive care unit beds. Oregon's Governor Kay Brown will deploy up to 1,500 National Guard troops to hospitals around that state. Hawaii's governor says the 50th state is in crisis mode. And officials with Utah's largest health care system said Friday intensive care units there are at 102% capacity and that 90% of the hospitalized are not vaccinated. Kevin Uretsky, Fox News. Homeland Security issued a new terrorism bulletin Friday, warning of what they call a diverse threat environment. In its newest National Terrorism Advisory System bulletin, the Department of Homeland Security is warning about both domestic and foreign threat actors. They're concerned about racially motivated and anti-government violent extremists who may use renewed COVID restrictions as a rationale to conduct attacks. They're also concerned about the upcoming 9-11 anniversary, saying it could serve as a catalyst for targeted violence. DHS says the threat actors are calling for violence against elected officials, government facilities, law enforcement, religious communities, and more. In Washington, Jill Nato, Fox News. Authorities in Oregon say extreme heat may be behind a death in Portland this week, but the cause won't be confirmed for several weeks. Emergency room visits for heat-related illnesses rose sharply as sweltering temperatures gripped the normally temperate Pacific Northwest for the second time this summer. I'm Joe Chiro, Fox News.